Thank you for listening in to the Cornerstone Baptist Church podcast. For more information, visit our website at cumberlandcornerstone.org. Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. As we continue to uh, go through our study of the, the law of God, delighting in the law of God, we come to the sixth commandment this morning. And uh, the sixth commandment begins those very short verses, uh, as I mentioned to you in verse 13, with a very short statement, you shall not murder. And uh, that's what we want to look at today. What does that mean? What is, what is involved in that commandment uh, this morning? Remember that the last six commandments, and that's where we're at today, uh, last week and, and on, the last six commandments deal with our relationship with other people. The first, six, the first four commandments have dealt with my relationship with God. And we call those the vertical commandments, if you will. Uh, no other gods before me, no idols, no representations of God. Don't use my name in vain and remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Then beginning in commandment number five through the rest of the commandments, uh, it begins to look at my relationship with other people. Uh, but... What we need to see is the reality is all of these commandments are grounded in my relationship to God. Because of my obedience to God's law, because of my submission to God's sovereignty, because of my knowledge of God's purposes in in my life, we see human beings, we see other people then in an entirely different light. Our responsibility to God Our responsibility to our creator uh, causes us to adhere to these final six commandments because how we relate to one another will bring honor and glory to the God who created us. And so the first four commandments deal with my relationship with him, but what we need to see is the last six are, are totally bound up and grounded in my relationship with him. And when my relationship with him is what it ought to be, my relationship with one another is going to be what it ought to be as well. And my relationship with you and how I treat you and how you treat me will bring honor and glory to the God who created us. So the sixth commandment prohibits the intentional killing of another human being. And as such, it seems to be a pretty straightforward role, doesn't it? Thou shalt not murder. But as we look at it a little bit more deeply this morning, we're going to find ourselves having to think about some very tough matters in our own life. Most of all, and perhaps a little bit to our own discomfort, we're going to have to look at the issue of anger, a subject that maybe we're all too familiar with, anger. You know, people still have murder or anger in their heart. And, you know, we may have never killed anybody, but we still have anger. We still have murder in our heart. Maybe I've shared this with you before, but take, for example, the ad that was posted in a classified newspaper uh, a number of years ago. Wedding gown for sale. Never used. Will trade for a 38 pistol. Murder in our hearts. 
You know, we are more familiar with death and killing uh, in our generation, I think, than in any previous generation. You know, on our television screens, on our computer screens, uh, at the movies, we've seen fictional death, if you will, in a thousand different ways. We've watched people be shot. We've watched people drown. We've watched people being burned alive, crushed by cars, eaten by sharks, swallowed by snakes, consumed by aliens, and even, but very rarely, dying peacefully in their own bed. You know, the past hundred years have seen horrific acts of evil against humanity. We saw Hitler's extermination of over six million Jews, the tens of millions who died under Stalin, the, the millions killed in Cambodia and Uganda and Rwanda. In fact, it has been estimated that four men, Hitler, Lenin, Stalin, and Mao, four men in the last 100 years, have been responsible for more than 175 million deaths. But as I mentioned, the meaning of this commandment goes much deeper than that. It goes much deeper than simply don't murder. And we're going to see that Jesus speaks to us about the depth of this commandment in the Sermon on the Mount. So let's dig into it a little bit this morning. We're going to look at the meaning of the command and then we're going to look at the heart of the command. The meaning of the command comes to us here in Exodus chapter 20. The heart of the command is going to come to us in Matthew chapter 5. The commandment says, thou shalt not kill, in the, the King James, thou shalt not murder, is perhaps a better translation. Because the Hebrew word for murder always implies premeditation or deliberateness. And it applies by the way, to accomplices as well as the person who actually does the killing. And so it says, do not murder, do not deliberately cause the death of another person. Why? Well, life is a tremendous gift from God. And every person bears the image of God. And because of that, we are to respect we are to regard life in a very high way. And we are not to willfully take the life of another person. To take the life of another person is really to assault the sacredness and the very image of God by which we were created. We are created in the image and the likeness of God. And for me to intentionally take the life of another individual is taking the life of one who is also made in the image of God. And so this commandment uh, is against the intentional killing of another person for, for purely personal reasons, if you will. Whatever those reasons may be, you shall not murder. Well, let's consider that a little bit more in depth. We need to understand, first of all, the value of life. And I think that's really important for us to understand in, in many different areas of life. We need to understand the value of life is from God. Life is a gift from God. It, life is the most precious and sacred thing in all of the earth. And, and to end it or to direct the ending of life is really God's prior, prerogative alone. 
It's God's deal. It's not my responsibility. And once, what, what is more, human life is special, and we mentioned this already, because Genesis chapter 1 tells us we are created in the image of God. We are created in the likeness of God. That means that you and I have the potential of relating to God in a way that nothing else in, the, in creation has. We have a, 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 a way to relate to God spirit to spirit. You know, we have emotion, we have intellect, we have will. We can relate to God in ways that the rest of creation cannot do. We relate to God, we fellowship with God uh, far deeper than animals ever can fellowship with God. They were not created to fellowship with God. There is not spirit-to-spirit fellowship between anything else in the, cre- the, the creation except for God and man. That's why we were made. We were made in God's image. We were made to fellowship with God. We were made in his likeness. And because of that, life is very special. Human life, then, we also say is sacred. Sacred uh, means that God alone has the power to give life and ultimately, God is the one who is responsible to give life. And because of that, also, he is the only one who is authorized to take life away. Because we are made in the image of God, to take the life of another person is to destroy someone who is patterned after God. And, you know, uh, someone who is close to God's own heart. And we don't have that right. That is not our responsibility. That is not our prerogative. We cannot take the life of another person who is made in the image of God. And so let's think about this sixth commandment. What does this sixth commandment specifically uh, prohibit? Well, it prohibits the premeditated, intentional murder of another human being. And by the way, as we go down through these things, the, the rest of the law, and I mentioned this on Wednesday night, we, we looked a little more in depth at the law. The rest of the law goes more in depth on these things. And the rest of the law picks up in Exodus chapter 21 and goes all the way through the book of Deuteronomy, where the law is expounded on. These Ten Commandments is, is, are expounded on. And God's going to say more about killing. God's going to say more about stealing. God's going to say more about all of these things. And so as you study the rest of the law, we can, we can start to put a little bit of meat to you shall not murder. And, and the first thing we see is that it prohibits the intentional uh, premeditated murder of another human being. But it also does far more than that. It prohibits the intentional but unpremeditated murder of another person. You know, where, where we didn't set out to kill that person, but once we got into an argument or once we got involved, we decided we're going to put an end to their life. We would call that voluntary manslaughter, if you will, in our, in our world today. And the, this commandment uh, prohibits that. It also prohibits what we call reckless homicide or involuntary manslaughter, such as someone who is driving drunk, who kills another person. As we go into the law, we, you know, we didn't have cars back in the days of the law, but the law speaks about things on our property that, that, that uh, we knew about that caused, the, caused the, the death of another person. We didn't mean to kill them, but it was recklessness on our part. And uh, this commandment prohibits that. 
It also prohibits all cruelty or violence that could weaken or shorten another person's life. The law will specifically talk about things like assaulting another person. It will talk even about things like rape and things like kidnapping. Those were all capital offenses because we have the ability to shorten or damage another person's life. Life is very sacred and special to God, and so this commandment prohibits that. There are a couple other things that maybe we don't often think about that the Sixth Commandment prohibits. It prohibits suicide. Suicide, we need to understand, is a sin. And now... I also need you to understand this. It is not the unpardonable or unforgivable sin. I think that was taught in the church for many, many years. And we have this idea that if someone dies, you know, takes their own life, they have never had the opportunity to do what? Confess that sin. But my sins, past, present, and future, are covered by what? The blood of Christ. Okay. Now, uh, it is a sin to do such a thing, but it is not the unforgivable sin. However, it is a direct breach of God's command. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder, including your own life. Your life is precious to God, even when you have concluded that it isn't. Even when you have concluded your life is maybe pointless, God says your life is still very precious to me. And I want you to understand that because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding out there about suicide and about those who maybe have committed suicide, that they've committed the unpardonable sin. That is not the case. If I'm a believer, I'm, I'm still going to heaven. That's not the way God wants me to get there, all right? Uh, but but people, that is, please understand, that is not the unforgivable sin. And also, please understand, your life has meaning to God. And I know that sometimes we come up with this idea that, you know, my, my life is worthless. My life is pointless. Why, do I, why am I going to go on? God sees your life as very valuable. And suicide is part of this command here. Another, as we looked at it already this morning, as we thought about first wave pregnancy, the sixth commandment prohibits abortion. Life begins at conception. And when your biological life begins, you exist as a person made in the image of who? God. Even uh, you are created to honor God. You, you have a life that is, that is deserving to be protected. From, from the moment of conception, the fetus is a human being. Uh, the fact that for several months it cannot survive outside of its mother's womb does not affect the, that its right to the same protection that other human beings merit. You know, you know we, we try to do a, 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 a deal anymore where we say, well, it, it is for the, the health of the mother or for this or whatever. The, the fact of the matter is, folks, most abortions appear to be for convenience or for retroactive contraception, if you will. And, and I believe that it must break, break God's heart to see how our nation disposes of its own unborn children. You know, I read um, 
last week when I was preparing for this, I read a, uh, a, about a seminar uh, that some medical students were attending on abortion. And the, maybe you've heard this, but the lecturer presented them with a case study and, you know, saying, you know, at, at what point uh, is, it, is it time for the government or somebody else to step in and say, you know what, uh, we need to terminate this pregnancy. And, and they, they used this example. The father of the family had syphilis. The mother had tuberculosis. They had four children already. The first one was blind. The second one died. The third was deaf and dumb, as they called it. And the fourth has tuberculosis. And the mother is now pregnant with her fifth child, and she is willing to have an abortion if that's what you suggest. And the lecturer said to the students, what is your advice to this mother? Well, the students got together, and they overwhelmingly voted to terminate the pregnancy. And they told the lecturer that that was their decision. And the lecturer said, congratulations, you just killed Beethoven. Life is sacred. Life is special. Even when we have concluded, you know, it's not. God says life is sacred. This commandment prohibits, folks, abortion. There's another thing. That's becoming very popular in our world today. Euthanasia. The literal meaning of the word euthanasia is dying well. But the term, uh, as, as we know it, has come to mean the intentional medical termination of another person's life. You know, it's important, first of all, to distinguish between euthanasia from allowing a patient who is suffering from a fatal disease to, to die in peace without being subjected to painful treatments that might prolong life but will never really uh, restore that person to health. You know, there, there, we must understand there's a difference between saying, you know, no more, no more cancer treatments, no more feeding tube, no more breathing tube. There's a difference between that and the intentional killing of another person. Most of us have had to face those difficult decisions, uh, or we will have to face those difficult decisions to stop treatment. Those decisions are not wrong. We are choosing to end treatment, not end life. That has to be, that I believe can be a personal choice that we make. But abortion and euthanasia allows us to become judges of what is a valid life and what isn't. And what the Bible teaches me is this. Every life is precious. Unborn life is precious. Those who are born with special needs are precious. Our aging parents are precious. All life matters to God. And the sixth commandment prohibits that. What the sixth commandment does not prohibit. Let's think of that here this morning for a moment. From Exodus chapter 22, we're not going to take the time to turn there. From Exodus chapter 22, uh, the sixth commandment does not prohibit self-defense. 
if someone has no other option but to kill as a way to defend themselves from an intruder, the Bible says. According to the law, he is not guilty. Now, I think uh, I've heard it said in our day and age, well, you need to drag him in your house and then shoot him. I don't think that's the idea behind the commandment, all right? But uh, self-defense uh, is, not a, a prohibit, is not prohibited by the sixth commandment. Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, capital punishment is not prohibited by this commandment. I know that this is a very, uh, some of these issues that we are talking about this morning are very controversial issues. And, and uh, to some degree, I know we all make our decisions on that, but... God had established in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, capital punishment. And we have to understand, you know, I've, I've heard that taught that, that, you know, capital punishment is murder. It's, it's, it's the taking of another life. It's a violation of this commandment. It is not a violation of this commandment. Whatever you may think of capital punishment, it, you can't come to this commandment and say it's violating it right here. Since man is created in the image of God, life is of immense value. And since life is so precious, God says in Genesis chapter 9, the one who willfully takes another person's life must suffer what? Death at the hands of men. In Genesis chapter 9 verse 6, God established human government. And part of the reason God established human government was to share with mankind the responsibility to see that justice is carried out, especially in the case of murder. And again, we could argue that, we can debate that, but please don't go to, to the Ten Commandments and say that, that thou shalt not murder is against capital punishment. God is the one who instituted capital punishment. I think the essential point of these verses in Genesis chapter 9 is that man is now given the responsibility of human government. And we know that he can take that and run with it and go the wrong way with it and has done that. But man was given the responsibility of human government. And that, that responsibility entails, first of all, a recognition that life is sacred. Now, put that in your mind for a moment. Our government wants to say that capital punishment is wrong because, you know, it's, it's wrong to take another person's life. And yet our own government is also the one that tells us abortion is okay. We're taking another life. But God has given uh, government the responsibility to recognize that life is sacred and the recognition of capital punishment as the just and the legal penalty for murder. So again, whatever you believe about capital punishment, the sixth commandment does not prohibit that. It does not prohibit war or national defense. Certainly peace is always the goal. What does Paul say? As much as is possible with me, be, live at peace with all men. But war is sometimes necessary to defend peace and defend our nation. And so that is the, the commandment. Thou shalt not murder. That's the meaning of the commandment. Let, let's get to the heart of the matter. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 
As we come to the New Testament, specifically here to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches the people that the law of God, and I've been trying to help us to understand that, the law of God is to be written where? On my heart. You know, we're not supposed to just obey because it's the external command. God wants to write that on our hearts. And Jesus teaches the people here that the law of God needs to be written on our heart. That God's standard requires far more than simply external actions. It involves the attitude of my heart. And so he says to us in verse 21, you have heard that it was said to those of old. And that's just another way of saying, here is what the the commandments say. You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. And let's just stop here and say this. Jesus is not criticizing the Old Testament law. He is contrasting the people's misunderstanding of the law with the true direction in which the law pointed. He is saying, here is what the scribes and the Pharisees have done with the Ten Commandments, with the law. They have taken it and they have done this with it. Let me tell you what God really meant. Let me tell you what's really behind the commandment. And people justify themselves because they've never actually taken another person's life. They've never murdered someone. And remember the scribes and Pharisees, they, you know, they puffed themselves up about all kinds of things. Well, I've never killed anybody. I've kept this commandment all my life. And Jesus wants us to see, oh, it goes far deeper than that. It goes far deeper than that. He wants us to see that the teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees was not adequate here. It was focused solely on the external act of physical murder. But Jesus says that his righteousness, God's righteousness, goes much deeper. It involves the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Look at verse 22. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. And whoever says, you fools, shall be in danger of hell fire. That's a pretty tough verse, isn't it? I mean, I think it's important that we know what that verse means uh, if we're going to understand what Jesus is saying to us here. Basically, what Jesus is saying is this, to, to be angry and to harbor anger and hatred in your heart for another person was really no different than committing the physical act of murder. Now, May I hasten on and say, now Jesus doesn't say, so you might as well go out and kill the person. But what he is saying is, it's, it's murder in your hearts. You, you need to, to pick up your game a little bit here. You need to understand what God's talking about. The thoughts, the desires, the emotions that we harbor inside of us are also sinful in God's eyes. And when they arise in our hearts, they violate God's standard of righteousness. Remember the scribes and the Pharisees, they thought they were pretty righteous because externally they never did all these things. And what Jesus wants them to see is in your heart, you've committed sin. Because God's standard is here. And we think we're pretty good people. And Jesus wants us to see, whoa, 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 your heart is desperately wicked. We are are sinful 
sinful people. Jesus wants us to realize that if we want to make our faith real, if we want to live it out in our daily life, it has to begin internally because that's where the real you lives. So stop rationalizing and stop justifying your own sinful thoughts, Jesus says. Thinking it's okay to feel the way we do towards somebody else as long as I never take action. And so I hate them in my heart. I harbor bitterness and anger toward them in my heart. As long as I never hurt them, I'm okay. Jesus said, no, you're not. That's just as sinful. In the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is deepening and transforming this commandment as well as other commandments we're going to see, helping us to understand the true significance of the commandment. The sixth commandment not only prohibits violent acts of murder, Jesus said it also prohibits violent emotions and intentions of the heart. We can sit here this morning feeling all smug and self-righteous about this commandment because we've never physically murdered someone. And we're checking it off right now. I don't even know why he's talking about this. I haven't done this one. Pastor Dave, I've never killed anybody. And what Jesus is saying in verse 22, we, we, we may never have physically committed the act of murder, and yet we can still face the wrath of God if our life is marked by anger, bitterness, rage, insult, any of those things. A man by the name of David Pallison wrote a book, Good and Angry. Sounds like a good book, doesn't it? And it has in chap a title and chaptered, Do You Have an Anger Problem? And it's kind of a clever little chapter. Because the chapter only has one word in it. And the one word is, yes. End of chapter. To some degree, we all have an anger problem, don't we? Well, look at verse 22, and let's look a little deeper at the problem that anger brings into our life. Jesus talks about three sins of anger here. In verse 22, first of all, he talks about being angry with, per with a person without a cause. I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause. And what he's talking about here is this anger is not godly anger. All right, it's anger. If I am angry, righteously angry, I might have a cause to be angry. Uh, most often we are not righteously angry. But we can be righteously angry at sin or different things along that. Jesus is talking about being angry with somebody without a cause. This is selfish anger directed at someone who's done something against us. This is anger that is directed at somebody simply because they irritate me. You got anybody in your life that just irritates you? They walk into the room and you just, oh, I'd like to go over there and boom. People who displease us. And the word anger here, who is angry with his brother without a cause, that, that word angry there describes an anger that simmers beneath the surface. And it results in such things as holding a grudge, bitterness, 
resentment, unforgiveness. I'm not going to forgive that person. No attempt, no intention of seeking reconciliation. And what Jesus is saying here in verse 22 is when we harbor that type of anger in our hearts, we are really guilty of murder and we're deserving of punishment. And I know that some of you right now are rankled about that a little bit. I have a right to be angry at that person. You don't know what they did to me. What am I supposed to do to someone who has wronged me? I'm to hate them, harbor grudges against them. I'm to forgive them. Even if they never come to me and say what? Hey, I'm sorry. Whoa. Anger without a cause. The second one is the sin of slandering another person. Whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. Now, I'm aware that Raka isn't one of the top insults that we use today. You know, It literally means empty-headed or fool. And, and it's said in a contemptuous sort of way that implies that other person doesn't actually deserve to live. And again, we don't use that term too much today. We do use other words in its place, however. Idiot, blockhead, jerk, bonehead. Uh, there's a whole list of them, right? You could probably help me out with these. You've got your own. But it's a, t it's a term of arrogant contempt for another person. Placing them on the level of being worthless. And we sometimes say things, and usually we're joking, but we sometimes say things, uh, and this is saying it with the intent of the heart, I wish you'd never been born. Why don't you do me a favor and drop dead? That's a sin of anger. Look at the third one. Whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. The third sin of anger involves the condemning of another person's character. That's seen in the use of the term you fool. The, the, the word fool there is really a translation of the Greek word from which we get our word moron. And it's not talking about someone's intelligence. It's really talking about their character, saying that they are both stupid and godless. And, and Christ says to call someone a fool in that manner is really the same as murdering him. And Christ said, we are guilty of that sin and we are worthy of the punishment that goes along with murder. You see, what Christ is really getting at through these examples is that we must not think that we are righteous and godly just because we never killed somebody. Murder is simply the ultimate and most destructive form of anger. And it is where anger, if left unchecked, is ultimately going to go. But folks, Jesus wants us to see this. When we harbor anger and hatred in our hearts and the things that go along with them, 
It will impact not only my relationship with that other person, it will impact my relationship with who? With God. Remember, these six commands come out of my relationship with, with God. I cannot hate my brother. I cannot hate another person with the hatred and the bitterness and the anger and holding grudges. I can't have the proper relationship with God as long as I'm holding on to those things in my heart. And that's something we all need to struggle. We all struggle with. We all have those special people in our life that, you know, really irritate us. That we are angry at. And if I'm going to be in the right relationship with God, I need to let that go. As hard as it may seem to you to do. See, if we're going to make our faith real, if it's going to impact us on a daily basis, we have to let go of those angry, bitter, hate-filled thoughts that are keeping us from an even deeper relationship with God. That's what Jesus wants to get at. Jesus says, stop being so proud because you never killed somebody. What's going on in your heart? What about the anger in your heart? What about the bitterness in your heart? What about the, you know, the, the grudge that you're holding? What about all of those things? That we tend to have an idea that we're justified in being that way. And Jesus said, no. That other person is made in the image of God. That other person is sacred as far as God's concerned. They might not act that way. It might be hard for us to see that. But every individual is made in the image of God. And it's our responsibility not to allow those thoughts of anger and hatred to creep up in our hearts. Pretty tough, isn't it? That's pretty hard. Um, but that's what we need to do. Let's pray. Father, as we think about this commandment, you shall not murder. Just a very surface-oriented look at it, we think we're good. We think we, we've got that one in our in our good column, we've, we've never done that. And yet as we see it from the Sermon on the Mount's point of view, and from the point of view that Christ brings up, it becomes a whole different matter. And Lord, my prayer for each one of us is that if we are harboring anger and bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness toward another individual, no matter what they've done to us, Lord, ultimately, it's hindering my relationship with you. And I need to let that go. I need to forgive. And Lord, that's hard, especially when people have done some terrible things to us. But the truth of the matter is, most of us have anger and hatred and bitterness toward our people who haven't done truly terrible things to us. They've irritated us. They've displeased us. They haven't agreed with us. Lord, help us to be more like you. Help us to realize this is going to be a struggle. It's going to take the Holy Spirit being in control of my life. 
And when the Holy Spirit is in control of my life, He produces love and joy and peace, not anger and hatred and bitterness. Lord, may we let go of these things. And if there is someone that we need to reconcile with or attempt to reconcile with, may we do so even today. Lord, thank you for this tremendous challenge. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information on our church, located in Cumberland, Maryland, please go to cumberlandcornerstone.org.